Welcome to another episode of the Active Texan Podcast, where you can be inspired by the stories of active people from the great state of Texas. We also chat with people who can help keep you active, like our sponsor, College Station Physical Therapy and Performance. CSPT is a performance PT clinic who helps active people recover from injury, return to their active lifestyle, and reach their highest level of performance. Learn more about how CSPT can help you get back to doing what you love at collegestationpt.com. What's up, Active Texans, and welcome to another episode of the Active Texan Podcast. I'm Dr. Brian Watts, your host. Today we have a little bit of a special episode. We're outside recording, so please excuse any random noises. But it, I've got Allie Watts here, my wife and co-host. What's up, everybody? And so today we're going to do something a little bit different. And she's going to ask me some questions, and we're going to flip the interview. She's going to interview me. So we haven't done this in a while. We wanted to just give a little update of some things that have been going on. Yeah, so Brian, uh, let's update your listeners uh, on some stuff that's been going on with you this year. So back in April, something kind of major happened. Why don't you tell everybody? I think most people that would be listening to it to this know what happened. I ruptured my Achilles tendon, not something that I ever planned on doing. Of course. And ever, honestly, even imagined happening to myself. I, it's not, I don't go around playing sports thinking, oh, I might do this to myself when I'm playing soccer or coaching soccer. So I was coaching our, our 12-year-old daughter's soccer team, playing a little defense, get in there, and just made a really quick movement and ruptured my Achilles and immediately spiraled. Yeah, it was not a good day. It was not a good day at all. So, a little background. Um, four years ago, I was also playing soccer, but this I was playing in the adult league here at College Station, and I tore my Achilles, I mean my, my ACL, and my meniscus, and so it was very familiar whenever it happened. You knew right away, like yeah. immediately, what exactly had happened. I mean, people around you were like, are you okay? You're like... I ruptured my Achilles. You knew. Yeah, I knew I ruptured my Achilles right away. I knew my tore my ACL right away when it happened, um, within seconds at least. And there's a little test you can do if you ever feel a big pop in the back of your leg and you think someone kicked you, or a ball hit you, then and you're in pain. Reach down there and squeeze your calf as hard as you can. If your foot doesn't move, that's a pretty good sign that you ruptured your Achilles. So that's yes. actually the first thing that I did. And everybody around actually heard it. It was kind of loud. Um, I don't know if I heard it or not. I felt it. And so I had a lot going on, a lot on my plate as far as, like, what was coming up. And I was training for an Ironman. Uh, It was going to be June 27th. This happened on April 14th, um, 2021. And so three months out, or not even three months out, (laughs) two and a half months out, I knew, the thing is, like, injuries are interesting. Like, you immediately, this happened the other day. I was working at a football game, and a kid fractured his fibula, and I told him on the sideline, you broke a bone, and immediately he just started crying. Mm. Dr. Brian is also an athletic trainer, so he he covers football games and other sports, and so that's what Yeah, so I was covering a football game, high school game, and he knew immediately that his season was over because uh, he has a broken bone. Um, and so that's kind of the feeling you get whenever you, you've you been putting a lot of hard work into something and it's over immediately. So it's totally normal to get upset. Um, 
I got really upset and was very emotional about it and realized pretty quickly I need to, you know, take care of these emotions and kind of, you know, live through the emotions a little bit, but also, um, there were some things that I was going to need to do and work on. I knew, uh, yeah. from then. So these things have helped teach me a lot, uh, about myself, about, um, being a physical therapist, what's it like to be a patient, mm-hmm. of course. Um, a lot of physical therapists become PTs because they were a patient. I wasn't one of those until I was in my thirties. Um, but it has helped me a lot. And I think from this injury, I've probably learned more than any other thing that's happened. <laughs> I agree. To me. I think that I've seen I've seen your growth through your ACL and meniscus and all and both of those surgeries and then this one it was I mean your your Ironman journey has been prolonged more than most because you were supposed to race in 2020 and COVID deferred that and then you were about to you were ready for this one you're you're gearing up and then we have another deferred moment and so there's a lot more than just the injury going on. There's years of training and planning and uh, goals years. goals that you've been reaching towards. So you learned a lot about, you know, being a PT and all that stuff, but also learned how to deal with stuff like that mentally. And I think that has made you grow a lot as a person. Yeah. And, you know, you say that it's something we've been, it's prolonged the journey. That's true. Um but also at the same time, uh, a buddy of mine that I trained with, Joseph Hill, I, I told him right away what happened, and and he said, yeah, there's always another Iron Man. True. <laughs> so, Wise words, Joseph. Yeah, p- put things into perspective. Uh, you know, I was upset, but at the same time, there were some things that actually um, were kind of happening mentally, I think, and physically. I was... I was not hitting the training blocks I wanted to, and I was getting a little worried um, about yeah. the race coming up in June. So when I look back on things like that, I realize, you know, this it wasn't time. Yeah. Um, so uh, we still made the trip and yeah. got to enjoy the um, hospitality there of the city of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and got to cheer on our friends and support them as much as we could because they were still racing. And, you know, that was a great trip. We really enjoyed that. And it's but, also awesome for you to go and see what it's like mm. to be a spectator uh, on one of those journeys. It also makes you a better athlete, a better participant in Ironman, I think. I'm so glad I went and watched one. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, it, that's going to help me a lot just as a point of reference of when I'm training, also eventually when I'm racing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the journey started then as far as, you know, the Achilles repair journey and you know we can kind of look at this a couple different ways one thing I wanted to mention was you know I think a lot of uh, people listening to this a lot of people we work with at CSPT you know the you have you have an injury or something happens and it's it's really hard to deal with yeah Um, the first feeling is it's why did this happen or even sometimes you may think this is inevitable, you know, or, uh, which, you know, I think a big injury like this will kind of teaches us a lot about, you know, what, how important some of these things are that we talk about actually every day in our clinic, um, with this matter of sleep Mm -hmm. and recovery and, and stress, nutrition, and along with all of the movement and activity and 
performance training, strength and conditioning, running, swimming, biking, Yeah, those are all very is. crucial pieces to the puzzle. Like, if one of them is missing, their puzzle's not complete. It's right. a gap. And so there were definitely some pieces missing. Um, and and when, you, when I look back at it, I, I realize, you know, this, this could have been better, this could have been better. All those things led to, you know, this major injury. And so being able to understand that for me um, and understanding kind of the root cause or mm-hmm. of what something like this, why something like this happened um, was really helpful because this is something we have to help our patients with all the time because they come in, they're devastated, uh, they're frustrated. Maybe they've been dealing with something for years and it's chronic. And um, I mean, I just talked to someone on the phone today. They've been hurting for t- three years now and mm-hmm. had no answers. And so... You know, we're we're going to try to find the answers by looking at all these different areas of mm-hmm. um, sleep, nutrition, stress, and movement. movement. Right. And so, you know, I think that's that's an important learning um, piece that I've taken away from being this major injury. And I didn't really get that when I tore my ACL. I, True. I was I was in a different situation, setting, even work wise, and it just it was just I was just another another data point like oh another guy towards acl in his 30s yeah uh playing soccer (laughs) oh yeah it's night and day the impact it had on you as far as the things that you gained from it i feel like that was just like injury recovery get back to work i mean it's totally different and so another thing i wanted to talk about with this journey this really helped it because i want as many people as possible just to to get a lot out of you know, if, if you hear this, if you share it with somebody, that whenever you have, whether it's a major injury, a minor injury, first of all, you've got to turn to your people right away. Yeah. The people that you know, first of all, that will support you emotionally, uh, whether that's family, friends, um, sports psychologists, you know, that's somebody a little bit further church, down the road. Whatever you have. Um, first, you have to have your people to turn to, but second, you need to turn to the people that can help you get back. And that's going to be you know, your medical professionals, physical therapists, orthopedic surgeons, whatever it is. And, and, and then also one thing that I did that really helped was I have a network of performance PTs that really know their stuff, like have a lot of experience. So the combined experience of all these ones that I know is, you know, hundreds of years. Yeah, It's a priceless wealth of knowledge that you have there. Yeah. And so I immediately, not immediately, no. with a little bit of nudging. Um, from who? From who? Allie. Know. Yeah, I remember. There, there I, I started to reach out to some of these ones because I was having some complications after yeah. the surgery. Let's talk a little bit about um, that. So, so, but one thing I wanted to say was, you know, reach out to your network and yeah. don't be afraid and right. don't wait, really. Like, you know, do it right away. Right. Um, because Why was there hesitation to reach out? Uh, imposter syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, you know, these are my peers and... Do we have to ask them for To things? have to ask for help or just, you know, feel like I don't know anything and, you know, it was, it was, that was hard. It was just an ego thing, uh, yeah. for me to, to be able to ask for help. And, you know, there was, I asked for, I asked several people for help and it, every single one was a positive experience. Right. No one ever said to me on the phone or uh, I'm not going to help you or you're an idiot or how do you not know what to do right 
it's a good lesson to learn. You know, if you could go back, maybe you would reach out sooner. Like, don't there, let there were other people that were saying, "You're a physical therapist. How did you get hurt?" Right. You know, that's like the worst thing to say somebody. First of all, um, it doesn't make you feel very good. And but when I turned to my colleagues and my network, it was just a lot of support. So I had the support from my family, support from my friends, and support from my colleagues. Yeah. Um, and everybody else can have that too. Just because I'm in this profession doesn't mean if you're not, that you can't have the same experience. Um, so, Allie mentioned after the surgery, I started to have a little complication with some hypersensitivity in my foot, and which is not normal after a surgery like this. It's It can happen. Um, and at first, we just thought it was purely that, hypersensitivity. Um, but the more we got into it, the more we realized it was something called complex regional pain syndrome, um, or CRPS, or some people just say CRIPS. So that set in probably early on for a couple of reasons. The I was under anesthesia for two hours, so tourniquet time on my leg was two hours. Which was because they had tried to do one type of surgery and it failed, or type of repair, and it failed, so they had to switch gears mid-surgery to do a different type of repair. So the surgery was extra long. That's why it was so long. Yeah, normally it wouldn't take two hours, but that was probably a factor um, just the nerve block in general could have been a factor and like even to this day six months almost post-op still have a little nerve issues yeah. not really the hypersensitivity but like the sciatic nerve is still a little angry um, but it was pretty rough there for a while yeah I was definitely worried first of all um, it's not something that I wanted to have to go through because um, I've seen other people go through it both professionally and personally and um, at the same time I knew how to treat it but the thing with Achilles repair and a big tendon like that, you can't necessarily load it and mobilize it early. And that's what you need to do. And with, with treating CRPS, if you don't treat it early, then there's a very real chance that it's something you'll suffer with for the long term. Right. Yeah, it's something that may not go away. So it was hard because you needed to treat it immediately, but with that kind of a surgery, you couldn't do the rehab necessary until a certain point. Yeah. One thing I never, I never let myself go down that path um, mentally was this is going to be around forever. Um, I decided early on I'm not going to let that thought creep in and happen. So, um, you know, so far it's, it's getting better, but it's something that doesn't go away quickly. So uh, that was definitely a setback. And, um, you know, when you start to get into something like this with a major um, tendon repair or... Even you could even look at ligament repair, but especially tendons um, with their uh, just the what the function of a of a tendon itself. It's in a, a load bearing tendon like that. It's there's not really any solid protocols out there mm-hmm. of what to do, uh, let alone whenever there's CRPS. Okay, so <laughs> but, good. So there there they, there are protocols, but and I I also reached out to people for that, and my surgeon also reached out to another surgeon and. You know different things that people are trying because there's still a lot that we don't know about rehabbing and the recovery of this kind of surgery and so especially but this one was a little different because they tried one thing didn't work had to put it together a different way and so this is a little unique like right. in the way it's even repaired mm-hmm. um, so you know the, the surgeon's confident in the repair however you know now what mm-hmm. um, there's the typical things that you may do uh, 
that you do uh, you know, along with the protocol, following certain time frames of how long you wait bear, how, when you start mo- mobilizing it, how long you're in a splint, in a boot, crutches, all this. So um, what we ended up doing was just kind of modifying things and making our own protocol. Mm-hmm. So we used protocols that we had access to and looked at them and kind of wrote some things down, but then also started just to test things out and try things. Um, I mean, so I was, I mean, I I started mobility a little bit earlier, but at the same time, I didn't go past, like, the limitations or the precautions of what you should stay at. And then even weight-bearing, you know, putting a little more weight through the heel, getting weight through the ankle joint itself, that helped, you know, the hypersensitivity slowly go away. So there's a whole lot of things you can do for that. Um, But the big takeaway, I think, from at least the first maybe two, two to three months is just the, you know, trusting the repairer, and then also learning to trust myself right, true. <laughs> and all my colleagues that were helping me do this, do, you know, use the STEM unit on it eight to 20 you, hours a day. You had to floss like, it. you had to really learn how to be a good patient for mm-hmm. the first time. I don't know if you were a good patient for your ACL as much. It just kind of naturally. Define good patient. <laughs> I mean, trusting the process because it was much slower. I mean, your ACL seemed very quick and there were no complications really. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, there well, was. there was that one, but <laughs> but I ha- also I, one of the reasons I tore my Achilles was because of my right leg, the opposite leg that where the ACL repair was, reconstruction was, and it was not back to normal four years later, right? Because I didn't. You weren't a good patient. <sighs> oh, I'm sorry. There's no words. such thing as good patients and bad patients. <laughs> you know what I meant, though. I'm just. Just like there's no right. such thing as a good exercise and a bad exercise. Right. Exercise is exercise. Patients are patients. I will say this, though. Um, can you explain to everyone why you would choose to have surgery? And is there an option for having surgery for an Achilles rupture? Oh, for sure there's options. Um, so if it depends on how much it's torn. So they can do an MRI scan to figure that out. I actually just had an ultrasound done, and they, they could tell it was completely ruptured and also the level activity of the person. So um, there are studies right now, though, that are happening with people not getting them repaired and they're active. So we still don't know. But in most cases, if you're an active person and you want to run and jump, then you're going to most likely have a repair done, uh, a surgical repair. So it's that's kind of between you and the surgeon and mm-hmm. you kind of collaborate and you know pick out a good one right. uh, whenever you right, be picky it's okay yeah it's definitely okay to be picky don't worry about insurance please yes, no. just go this to the best life. doctor right um and don't let you know somebody else decide for you who you're going to go see or what you're going to do right and so that's a great great question um so let's fast forward just a little bit to what's going on recently You've gotten to a certain point in your rehab where you've been beginning to train again for some of so your... So I'll, t- I'll tell you a little detail about that okay. um, going into what you're about to ask. So yeah. early on, it's just a grind. Just head down. You're working on some the same things over and over. It's really boring. It kind of wears you out, but you just got to do it. Early on in the rehab. Like three months, like for the first three months. Right. It was rough, for sure. Um, And then coming up around the four-month time, I I started to realize I'm not really getting the most out of my um, myself and this rehab process. So I decided to kind of see where my limit was. And 
I, I went for a walk jog. Basically, I walked and jogged a little bit in the neighborhood, and then I didn't went out to the trails and did it um, on a 5K trail run and didn't run the whole time. It wasn't dangerous. It, he, it he, was. He ran with me, which means it was slow. So don't worry. No, but it it was still. I mean, we did Steady. it in about 40 yeah. 42 minutes, and there was running. I mean, it was slow running. Um, it was different than I normally run because I'm a little bit more of a four foot strike, uh, yeah. but I obviously couldn't do that yet four months out because there's no strength there, not enough strength to do that. And also I'm on an even, uneven ground. Mm -hmm. And so I found my limit because I did that 5k and then for four days I struggled to walk because I, my calf was so sore because it's so deconditioned. But I realized, okay, that's my limit. You know, maybe whatever that number is, distance, it doesn't really matter. You need to do intervals is kind of what I got out of that. But um, that's where I, I realized, okay, I can push myself here. And I started to, in a sense, be aggressive, but not dangerously aggressive. Don't get me wrong. Um, there was nothing dangerous about what I was doing or high risk about, you know, re-rupture re or anything. And so... Um, or stretching it out too too far. Yeah, I mean, that's eight weeks. Past eight weeks, you're fine with that. Um, even 12. And I was, this was 16 weeks. Yeah. So we were, we were past that point. Um you know, theoretically. Right, right. <laughs> and so I did that, and that kind of set the tone. Like, okay, what's coming up here in the next few months? Is there something? Because I need something to train for. Right, for sure. And what I know you you could say, well, isn't not enough just to train for getting your leg back to normal? No. I need a race. Yeah. <laughs> I need an event. Like, when can I play golf again? When can I ride my bike again? When can I start running yeah. and swimming? Because I'm... I want to do another triathlon and so I started swimming a little bit fell fine swimming started biking it definitely was I mean I could tell not just aerobically but you know that whole left leg was deconditioned I could feel it in the calf um, and it was just weak and so I just started progressing back into that slowly and I I decided you know it I guess that's five months post-op I'm gonna do a race and that was the Kerrville triathlon festival two weeks ago two and a half weeks ago no, a week and a half, uh, the end of September, and they had an aqua bike option, so that's perfect. I mean, even though I'm doing a little bit of running, uh, there's no need to go out there and try to race yet. Um, whenever the leg still isn't strong enough to really right. run that, you know, longer sustained distances. So I signed up. That was the big thing. Like I was thinking about it for a long time. Yeah. But it's still one of those things. You just got to sign up mm -hmm. and have a goal. And so I did it, and actually this time, going into it, it was it's, it's, I did the quarter distance aqua bike, which is a thousand meter swim and twenty nine mile bike. So, not anything to you know, just ignore. I mean, it's very significant distances on both of those things, especially not training much right. for the most of the year, um, or at least the last five months. It was months. a lofty goal for you at the time, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and it was lofty, but I, I I knew I could do it, but I needed help. Yeah, and so. Um, the last few months I've been meeting with a sports psychologist, Adrian Lajolet. She's been on the podcast. Um, shout out to her. She's excellent at what she does. And so we, I, I went to her and, you know, that day I signed up or that week I signed up, said, hey, I signed up for this aqua bike. And she first said, okay, wait a second. Did you think you would ever be doing this? Think about where you were yeah. four months ago. And I was like, no way. Like, I would tell you no way I'm doing that race. Yeah. Whenever I was like a month out of surgery, it's right. like 
just everything that was happening said no way. And so she kind of put it in perspective. It was like, look look how well you're doing, I guess yeah, you could say. that's true. Just something positive. And uh, so I said, all right, let's plan it. Let's plan the race. And I've never done this before. Um, from a psychological standpoint, I have physically you know, planned the race and also with nutrition and stuff like that, but not to this detail. And um, so even in just... You know, we we planned it in an hour, which is great. Like it doesn't. It's not like you have to spend a whole weekend or yeah. whole day trying to figure out what you're gonna do. Uh, we sat down, planned the race out, and this is kind of our plan A, plan B, plan C kind of thing with the swim. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the bike. And the goal was it. The goal of it was to come out of it feeling good and happy that you've returned the racing. Right. <laughs> and um, you know, obviously not to get injured, but just to feel good about the whole situ- the whole race and the race day because I've been in situations, most of my races actually, I do feel good at the end because I'm excited that I accomplished something like that, but the race itself didn't feel good. Right, right. <laughs> so. I wondered how, how drastically different they felt having a plan versus just going out there to like compete and just run through all the the events like it's very different for you to plan that detail Mm -hmm. it was very different and i didn't i felt it both mentally and physically um so i was i would definitely say i was undertrained for this race and because i you know i wasn't racing it to compete i was racing it to complete shout out to Gaines west that's right he's a completer not a competitor um but i'm naturally a competitor so i had to you know make sure I was just out, I had a good plan in place just to complete it, and so that was the overarching goal, is complete it, start planning for Iron Man, you know, even take things, take away from this, um, and how this goes, so we went out there, and I say we, because I had the support of my family, um, had Adrian with the race plan, my friends, uh, where we stayed, they were also doing the race, and we went out there and just executed it. And there were little things that happened that I kind of made adjustments, but it felt so different knowing what to do, mm-hmm. like when I was making an adjustment versus races before, I didn't know. You know, I was just like... Reacting suffer- to was the environment suffering. and to what was going on. Yeah. You were more in control. You were like driving the race instead of reacting to it. Yeah, and then getting it, and then finishing the race, I realized, man, I could have driven harder (laughs) you know like but that was a good feeling like I mean to come out of it like that so what I would say you know when you're coming back from an injury like this is just like whenever you're just getting into fitness whether it's running or triathlon or golf or or a new sport anything you need to have some kind of um, plan Uh, but also don't be afraid don't have the okay what I was gonna say actually don't have the plan first necessarily just go do it and start um, so that's what I started doing. I went out there, I ran, ran the 5k, right? To see where you were at. Yeah. To take your temperature. Yeah. And then I got more fit so that I can compete and race and then signed up for a race. So, um, I mean, you definitely, you need to plan things out training wise. And, you know, I've also used this time to work on sleep and nutrition. Um, there's been some ups and downs with that during this recovery process. So it's been an opportunity for me to work on you know, how much sleep I'm getting, trying to get eight hours a night, how much water I'm drinking a day, what I'm putting in my body for fuel, and and then, you know, man- managing stress, uh, because all those things contributed to the injury, for yeah, sure. For sure. Every single part of that was contributing. And so, 
you know, that's that's the biggest takeaway. We we always go back to those things when we're taking care of our clients, and we should do it for ourselves because we leave from the front. We want to look at all four of those pillars: movement, stress, nutrition, and sleep. Yeah, that's great. So you excited about the future and what's next? Yeah. So the big thing that's next that's actually on the books is one year from now. I will be doing Ironman Chattanooga on September 25th, 2022. Wow, years in, <laughs> years in the making. I signed up for my first full Ironman 2019. in 2019. Yeah. At the end of 2019, it, it was supposed to happen in May of 2020. So, um, still learning, going to figure it all out, and hopefully one day become an Ironman. Awesome. All right, well... Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Active Texan Podcast, and we will catch you later.